Welcome back to another episode of Chatting Rabbis. This is Eliezer Zalmanov in Munster, Indiana. Mandy Hitrick from Istanbul, Turkey. How are you, Eliezer? Baruch Hashem. It's good to see you again. wanted to mention something interesting that someone commented about our podcast. It's been mentioned a few times, but it's been brought up to me again recently that what people really enjoy about our conversations is that it's basically a fabrengen. We're... Two people are sitting and sharing their thoughts and their feelings, sometimes agreeing with each other, sometimes disagreeing, sometimes saying things that make other people a little bit uncomfortable, sometimes things uh, that, that inspire people, that, that make you want to do more. But overall, the, uh, the gist of our podcast is where you're a fly on the wall of a conversation of two people speaking from their hearts and sharing emotions, sharing feelings that uh, you wouldn't find anywhere else and you, you would be hard-pressed to find someone uh, on a scripted show uh, be as open and as honest as, as, uh, as we are. So I think that uh, in the week leading up to the Rebbe's yard site, to Gimel Tammuz, a third of Tammuz, I think we can make, uh, make the best out of this conversation in the terms of a Fabrengen and share a little bit of our feelings, of our emotions about this day. It's not a uh, yontif, God forbid. It's not one of those chassidish uh, yamim toivim that we all look forward to and we celebrate and we party. It's a uh, it's a very difficult day for us, especially those of us uh, our our specific age who grew up with the Rebbe and saw the Rebbe, and then in the midst of our youth, the Rebbe's physical presence was removed from us, and we no longer have a live, living Rebbe who we can see and communicate with regularly. And uh, it, the, the day, the anniversary, the 3rd of Tammuz, is, uh, is a very challenging day. I, I'm speaking from my own personal perspective. I, I have a very hard time with the day. It comes around every year, and every year everyone's expected to visit the Rebbe's oil and to spend time there. And we all do that. We do that because that's the right thing to do. But it's one of those days, it's probably the day and the year that's closest uh, to a, a personal Tisha B'Av, I would even say, where you do what you have to do and you make peace with it because that's what it is, but you're never going to completely accept it. That's my introduction to Arafa Brengen today. Okay. Thank you for the introduction. Of course, um, the Rebbe's passing in general is something that weighs heavily on my shoulders and is definitely something that has... Uh, affected me and affects me probably every single day of my life. I actually think about it very often. I think about it very often, so as much that I had a hard time to express these feelings to my children or to people around me. Because, listen, I grew up in Tzfat, and I was uh, a, young, a young student in yeshiva, a young bacher in yeshiva, when the Rebbe became ill, and after two and a half years with ups and downs and roller coaster of uh, the Rebbe's health, the Rebbe has uh, passed away and uh, right after Shabbat on the 3rd of Tammuz. It is something that has been hard for me then. It's something that is still difficult for me now. Difficult is, is, a, is a difficult word. Because, you know, at the end of the day, even, God forbid, the uh, passing of a blood relative, as much as it is difficult, you do come to some acceptance and closure. And I think that with the Rebbe's passing, that acceptance and closure has never happened. Also because 
During the Rebbe's lifetime, we all believed and knew that the Mashiach will come during the Rebbe's physical lifetime. And this, as we all know, has not happened. Um, so there are many, many interpretations and ways of trying to settle this contradiction of beliefs and feelings that we had during the Rebbe's lifetime. And uh, anybody who searches up Chabad and the Rebbe and would find all different types of, I would say, legitimate ways of uh, interpreting and trying to settle this inner conflict and inner contradiction that many of us feel. And some people's way of, of setting this contradiction is by saying, well, there's no contradiction for various reasons, which I don't even want to mention because for me they are just ignoring the Rebbe's reality, ignoring reality of this world, and ignoring... Uh, but that's, of course, that's my my feeling. But that's why the Rebbe's passing is something that weighs heavily on, on me and on the way I interpret things. But there's one thing that is, uh, that is very important, and that is I try to focus on what the Rebbe told us to do. We know that in Yiddishkeit is Nase Venishma. First is Nase. First you do, and then you hear. That is when the Jews accepted the Torah from God. They told Moshe that they will we will do, and then we will hear. So our f- most important, our mine, and the way that I view things is, the most important thing is to do what the Rebbe wanted from us. And what the Rebbe wanted from us was... And that, I think, is very, very clearly in a letter that the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, has written to a Hasid who never saw him. The, the Hasid, the follower, wrote to the Rebbe, how can he have a bond with the Rebbe when he doesn't know him face-to-face, has never met him? And the Rebbe, Friedrich Rebbe, writes like that. He writes, Ashoreli, asking, how is the Iskashos? How is that bonding between a Hasid and the Rebbe that he never saw? Learn the Sikhs, or actually read the Sikhs, learn the Ma'amorim, do what I have, what I tell you what to do. This is the bond. So, Nase, do what the Rebbe told us to do. Love every single Jew, learn and teach Torah in the way the Rebbe has taught us, live your life. For the benefit of others, make the world a better place and prepare it for the coming of Mashiach. Help each other physically, spiritually. And with this, you're continuing the Rebbe's action here in this world. Right. And I think what what the issue that many of us have, especially in terms of the contradiction, so maybe we can just flesh out the contradiction just a little bit more. And uh, from on a personal level, like I said before, and like you said, we had this very special connection to the Rebbe, having seen the Rebbe and been with the Rebbe in uh, in a physical sense. Yes, we continue doing that now afterwards also, and as shluchim especially, but really any chassid, whether you're an actual shliach or not, has the ability to connect to the Rebbe, to learn the Rebbe's teachings, and to do what the Rebbe wanted us to do. The contradiction is when you look at where Chabad as a movement is today. So books are written and articles are written and lecturers lecture about how 
Everyone in 1994 thought Chabad was over because the Rebbe passed away, and we proved them wrong. We proved them wrong, we proved the world wrong that Chabad continues, not only that Chabad continue, but Chabad flourished and Chabad grew and continues to grow even almost 30 years after the Rebbe's passing. But it doesn't mollify us, that doesn't appease us, that doesn't make us feel better not having the Rebbe with us physically. Yes, we, we very strongly all believed that Mashiach would come, and when the Rebbe became sick in 1992, like you said, it was two years plus of a roller coaster. We really believed Mashiach was going to come, and we still believe Mashiach is going to come any day. And the fact that it's taking even longer means that it becomes even more necessary. But the contradiction is when we get too comfortable and we feel like, you know what, 2022, 28 years after the Rebbe's passing, 30 years after the Rebbe's debilitating stroke, we're, we're okay, Chabad is okay. Does that mean that we don't need the Rebbe? Does that mean that we don't know we no longer need to follow the Rebbe's teachings? Of course not, God forbid. But the contradiction is for those of us who have gotten comfortable, and some of us more than others. We live comfortable lives, we're happy, we have hundreds of hours of videos and talks of the Rebbe, we have the Rebbe Sikha, so we can comfortably live with the Rebbe, we can be Shluchim, we can be Hasidim, we can and there is nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing exactly what the Rebbe and continuing to grow and continuing to flourish. But that pit in the stomach is always still going to be there. For me anyway. And, and it, it maybe during the year I don't feel it as much. And, and maybe that's a, uh, an indication of my lack of maybe being a, a lot big enough of a chassid. But every year come Gimel Tammuz, and that's the one day of the year that it hits you like a uh, like a gut punch like oh my goodness this is this is this is not what this is not ideal we make do with it and we deal with it but this is not how we envisioned it and it's not it's it's not a good situation I, I, my my vocabulary is escaping me right now because i don't really have the right words to articulate how how painful it is that so many years have passed and we haven't seen the rebbe physically Notwithstanding everything we just said, that that we continue being connected and living with the Rebbe in in every fiber of our being. I think I think that, that there's a even if we take the Rebbe as an example, when the Rebbe spoke about his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, and at the beginning years he spoke about in tears about the loss of the previous Rebbe, and he spoke about how we how he missed him, how he you know he he spoke some very spoken wrote. Very, very strong words, but years later, as years progressed, the Rebbe has not used the same words that he used at the first years. The Rebbe turned it into actions. The Rebbe focused on the action. So at the beginning, yes, you know, this whole cultivating of cultivation of, oh, it's so painful, it's so painful. Yes, it is painful, but, you know, our children don't relate to this painful aspect of it. They maybe mimic uh, some of the words that other people say. And they may sing the camp songs as well. But it's not the same. And, and that's why we have to move on in a way that, of course, it wouldn't mean move on. We always have to move with the Rebbe and carry the Rebbe with us Everywhere, as the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya, after a tzaddik has passed on, his soul is no longer limited to the body and can be spread around the whole world. 
And us, as the Rebbe's followers, can spread that love, can spread the Rebbe all over the world. And how do we spread the Rebbe? By being examples. And by doing what the Rebbe had, has taught us for 40 years. This, for me, is first and foremost, and comes before all feelings, theories, philosophies, um, monopoly on the truth, all po politics, types, whatever, and we have plenty of these in Lubavitch, as we all know. The first is foremost, do, and do another thing, and another thing, and another thing, make the world a better place, make ourselves better, too. You know, and let me put in a parenthesis here, I know some people might get irked, but I'll, I'll say it, the past 20-something um, years, there are many, many videos and clippings of the Rebbe that come out from, from dollars or from sikhas and this and that. And it's all about, a lot of it is about uh, the Rebbe's very, very positive messages of loving other people and loving, making the world a better place. And the Rebbe had a lot, a lot of positive messages of Asetoiv, do good. But the Rebbe also had a lot, a lot of messages of Sur Merah. And this, because it's not good for the PR, is cut out. The Rebbe spoke about Tznius. The Rebbe spoke about not going to the country. The Rebbe spoke about having schools all year round and not having a break for two months. And the Rebbe spoke about many, many, many things. The Rebbe spoke about family purity, about Mir Yehudi, about many, many actions that are taken and should be taken, shouldn't be taken. And the Rebbe also used a lot of rebuke especially to us Hasidim, and especially to those Hasidim who, who, and Shluchim who worked for the Rebbe 24 hours. The Rebbe wasn't an easy boss. The Rebbe wrote very, very sharp answers to people. So yes, we are very much, you know, turning the Rebbe into this loving, and yeah, of course, we appreciate everything the Rebbe said. We also appreciate uh, the rebuke that the Rebbe gave us, and we should keep the balance. That was just a, you know... Uh, no question about any of that. Um, so first of all, I'll, I'll say that I'm not an expert in every single talk that the Rebbe ever gave, but I do listen to quite a lot of the Rebbe's Fabrengans and I, and I study a lot of the Rebbe's Sichas. I think that you're right that in the earlier years, the Rebbe spoke a lot more emotionally about the previous Rebbe, about how he's still with us, and like you said, Yatim even more than during his physical life, and over the years, that became less of an emotional statement than more of a call-to-action kind of statement, and that's what the Rebbe always did. The Rebbe was always about the call-to-action, but even as late as the 80s, which it's almost uh, painful to say, uh, 1980 was 30 years after the previous Rebbe passed away, and we're we're coming up on that milestone. Uh, I don't know if we can call it a milestone, but that uh, that point, 30 years after Gimel Tamos now as well. And the, the Rebbe still choked up. The Rebbe would still sometimes hold back tears and even cry a little bit when he would talk about his uh, his predecessor, his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, especially on Yutshvat, on the previous Rebbe's course, year site. The Rebbe would... The, the Rebbe, it was still very real to the Rebbe 30 years, 35 years after Yutshvat. So... And you're right that it's that's not what, what we're about. We're not a Hasidism or a, a, a Hasidic movement that focuses on the Rebbe not being present because that, that would defeat the purpose of our entire existence. We're all about bringing the Rebbe's message to the world, both in the positive and also in the negative, like you said. The rebuke is very much part and parcel of the Rebbe's teachings. But 
that one day a year, and th that's what I was getting to earlier. I'm not saying that this is what we're all about and this is what we should always be teaching our children. Yes, we miss the Rebbe all the time. But on Gimel Tammuz, on the actual anniversary of the Rebbe's passing, it just serves as a reminder of, of what's missing. That doesn't mean that it, it should hinder our ability to continue being Hasidim and hinder our ability to continue promoting everything that the Rebbe stood for. But you know, maybe I'm speaking more for myself than for anybody else. And of course, I'm speaking for myself uh, more than anyone else. But that's, that's how I feel. It's that one day a year where like, I, just, I just don't know what to make of it. And, and the next day, on Dala Tammuz, on the 4th of Tammuz, I'm actually, uh, you know, ready to move on, ready to do another year and continue being the Rebbe's Chassid and continue being the Rebbe's Shliach and an emissary and doing exactly what the Rebbe wants. So well, that one day a year. I'll tell you what, though. In the past, and, and this, is, uh, this is relevant to, uh, to uh, this year specifically, whenever the Rebbe's yard site is on a Shabbos, so for, for the past uh, almost 19 years that we're living here, um, if the Rebbe's yard site was on a Shabbos, I would go to New York. We always go to New York for Gimel Tammuz, and if it was Shabbos, we would spend Shabbos at the oil. And after a few years that we were here, we started having a weekly minion. So it became a bit of a, uh, I had a guilty conscience leaving my community and telling them not to come to Shul the Shabbos because I have to be in New York by the, uh, by the oil and they should have nothing. They should have no Yiddishkeit, no Shabbos. I felt bad about that. Unfortunately, maybe not bad enough to, to change my practice. But a few years ago, I think it was 2019, when the Rayot site was on Shabbos, Gimel Tamas was on Shabbos, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to New York Sunday instead. I'm going to fly to New York Sunday morning, and I'm going to stay with my community. And uh, a few years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, we started doing something in our community called First Friday, where the first Friday night of every secular month, we have a big Kabbalah Shabbat, and a big Shabbos dinner, the community is invited, it's, for, it's free, we, all, we ask for sponsorships, and we have a big dinner. So that year, the first Friday of the, of the month of July was Gimel Tammuz, it was, uh, was, the, was the Shabbos of Gimel Tammuz, so I decided to stay and I flew to New York on Sunday morning. And this year, uh, the same, this is happy, the first Friday of July is Gimel Tammuz, is, is the second of Tammuz, and Shabbos is the third of Tammuz. So I'm flying to New York on Thursday night, and flying back home on Friday morning. So I'll be in New York for about 12 hours. I'll go to the oil, represent my community there, and then come back home. And like you said, this is what the Rebbe wants. The Rebbe wants us to, to teach, to be there with our community, to be there with our people, to share, to inspire, and to uh, remind people that, uh, yes, we, we might be missing a very big part of our existence of an, and of our essence, but that doesn't stop us and that doesn't prevent us from growing and from, and from flourishing like the Rebbe wants us to. That's right. And I think this is maybe the Rebbe's greatest message is to put yourself on his side. To put yourself on his side. Spiritually too. Your, your own spiritual desires and, and wants too. We pay a price. I pay a price. I pay a price. My kids pay a price for living in Turkey. We pay a price spiritually, physically. Yes, I know that uh, if my children would have been in... Uh, uh, you know, in a Chabad Lubavitch environment and learning in a normal uh, Chabad school, in a Torah-centered school, they would probably be much more healthier spiritually and, uh, and uh, you know, Talmudically, so to speak, learning of the, reading the little letters. Yes, definitely, it's a price that we pay. It's not, uh, not, a, not a simple price. 
But maybe this is one of the messages that the Rebbe said, put yourself on the side. So yeah, if, you, if, 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 I, if I'm bringing with my community, for example, if I'm tell, talking to them about the Rebbe on Gimel Tamas, on the Rebbe's yard site, yes, maybe emotionally I would be in a place where I want to cry and I want to tell them how much we miss the Rebbe and how ter- terrible things are and how horrible things are. But even that is also, you set yourself aside and you talk to them about the positive aspects. You talk to them about, about what the Rebbe expects of us and what the Rebbe wants of us, even though maybe that's not the mindset that we want to be in. And I want to bring up another point, And that is that today, uh, after so many years, after 28 years, and 28 years is a, it's a long time. Gematria Yechi. It's a long time. And it's about time for some of us to realize, including myself, that we don't have all the answers and we are not responsible for other people's answers or conclusions. And let me say it in clear words. I was holding myself back until now, so whoever listened for the first 24 minutes, it's okay. When I was, um, when before the Rebbe's passing, I was what was called the Meshachist, hoping and praying that the Rebbe would be the one who would... Uh, bring the, you know, bring forth the promised redemption. And after the Rebbe's passing, I uh, realized that whatever I had in mind probably did not materialize, did not happen. So at that time, I was uh, become sort of like the tree that is being tied to one side and then just bounces to the other side. I was very much, yes, I was really, really much upset at those who fought so much against, uh, so that, you know, who were denying the reality of the Rebbe's passing and still holding on to this, which for me, it was no more a legitimate, uh, legitimate belief. And as time passes on, I realize that, you know what? People are people. The important is what you do. Nasev and Nishma. I've come to see many who claim themselves to be of one camp and are only there for for the power grab and for political reasons. I've seen many who proclaim these slogans or that slogans, but they actually belong to the other side for whatever it is. Altstusim. Yeah, the details don't matter. The details don't matter. We have to be true to ourselves and to know that our job is to do what the Rebbe wanted from us. And of course, our job is to make ourselves better people. And maybe this is a time of the year that we have to, a person has to think for themselves. Maybe I could be a better person. Maybe I could be a better chassid. Maybe I could do what the Rebbe wanted for me and make the world a better place. And maybe finally, what the Rebbe really wanted to, that Moshiach should come, will actually happen, starting from myself. We should be the reason for it. But, you know, it, it doesn't only apply to people that consider themselves card-carrying Lubavitchers or members of the Chabad community. Since our, our listenership is uh, all-encompassing and it has people from all different walks of life, people that are either Orthodox but not Chabad or not even Orthodox members of our uh, local communities, we can remind them that in honor of the Rebbe's yard set, you can make a big difference. You can be part of the Rebbe's global revolution, to borrow a very broad term, of making the world a better place. And that starts with you as an individual. It starts with me as an individual. Whether it's an extra mitzvah or an extra act of kindness, just being a better person, being a better Jew, 
being a better family member, a better father or mother, brother, sister, being a better friend. That's how you make a difference in the world. And that's how you, like you said, bringing about the ultimate goal and making Mashiach a reality, making the world a a vessel and a receptacle to be prepared to receive this ultimate revelation of the coming of Mashiach. Everybody, it applies to everyone across the board. 100%. And it starts from each and every one of us. And each and every one of us can do one more thing to make the world a better place. And I think this is, uh, th- this is basically it. And, you know, to start this, the, you know, we are, we were, I was, uh, how old was I when the Rebbe passed away? I was 17 years old. You were, what, 15 years old, something like that. Our connection to the Rebbe was a connection of a 17-year-old or a 15-year-old. Our, our uh, parents were around for longer. Our grandparents for even longer. Looking back at it now, not that much longer. You're right. You're right. But still, but still, we, ha- we have our uh, way of relating things. The things and they have theirs and our children have their way of relating to the Rebbe and we we could all interpret things differently but the Hamai Suhu Ika one more good action can make the world a better place can make yourself a better person and if we say we said you said in the beginning we have a fabring we are the fabringen if we will cut off the the nails Arop schneiden die Nägel and stop scratching people around us Poking. Don't, don't 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 poke. Just make nice. Yeah, today now let make nice. <laughs> <laughs> if you just you know make nice to yourself and look inside yourself on what you can make a difference in yourself and through yourself and people around you and make the world a better place. Oh, that is what the Rebbe would be proud of. Hundred percent. L'chaim, l'chaim, v'levracha. It's good talking to you, Eliezer. Absolutely. See you next week, God willing. <laughs>